Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We're really excited for this episode. So usually silly season comes after the Hungarian GP, but Christmas came early this year. We have the man of the hour, Danny Ricardo, in his first race back. If you guys want to hear our thoughts about that, listen to last week's episode. We had some breaking news um, discussion about that. But we'll give you guys the the usual Hungarian GP preview, and then at the end, we'll talk a little bit about the Goodwood Festival of Speed, which happened last weekend, and it's celebrating its 30th year. So with that, we'll jump right in. I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. Okay, so for Hungary, we cannot wait for this race. The track is pretty iconic. It's one of the toughest and most technical races of the season. It's actually been criticized for being overly tight, winding, similar to Monaco, and it actually has the nickname Monaco Without Walls. So some teams will be faring better than others with slow and medium speed corners. Its current contract runs through 2027, so not going anywhere in the next few years, and it actually has the second longest uninterrupted streak as a race on the F1 calendar, so lots of history here. And we are heading into the last doubleheader before summer break, so tons of excitement, and then we dive full-on into silly season, which if Danny Rick's news has <laughs> bodes for anything, yeah, <laughs> then we're in for a ride. <laughs> For the circuit, it's 4.38 kilometers, 70 laps. It's 14 turns and only one DRS zone. It was basically just one straight that leans into turn leads into turn one. So because there's so few straights, people sometimes compare it to a karting circuit, which is funny. And like Tay was saying, it's a very technical track, requires a lot of precision from drivers. Plus, there's barely any break time as much as there is a quote unquote break while driving an F1 car since there's only one real straight. So we're basically in braking zones the whole time. Um, so I don't know if Max is going to have time to watch the race on the big screen <laughs> on the straights. <laughs> Alonzo still might as he watches Stroll. Yeah. <laughs> the teams will likely have kind of Monaco-style setups with high downforce favored over straight line speed. And watch out for turn two. It's an overtaking zone if drivers can get a good run of turn one. So sometimes drivers push each other wide in turn two. Turn four is also nearly a blind corner, which is interesting. And drivers really like the kind of rapid fire, twisty sector two. And the lap record is held by none other than Sir Lewis Hamilton. From 2020. I wonder if anyone's going to be able to break it anytime soon. I feel like maybe this week. Um, okay, so the track or the circuit, it's called the Hungaro Ring. It's really hard to spell and it looks like a tongue twister, but it's the Hungaro Ring. It sits about 20 kilometers away from Budapest. Really interesting history here. It's, like we said, the longest running circuit on the F1 calendar apart from Monza. And it was built in 1985 and it had it's the only race to ever have its first race behind the Iron Curtain, which is an interesting fun fact. Um this race is a lot of firsts, but Nelson Piquet and the Williams won that first race. That was the famous pass that he did on the outside of Art and Senna. And a fun fact for this one is that the Finns call it the Grand Prix of Finland. They don't have their own GP. They share a lot of common ancestry, so they definitely turn up in hordes. Um, so hopefully we'll see a lot of Botas supporters out <laughs> there. And they have a really good time. It's a very fan-friendly track. It kind of sits in this big valley. So... From most vantage points in the stands, you can see anywhere between like half to 80% of the track. And this is a fun little fact. We mentioned it in Track Tuesday, but it is not a good circuit for world championship winners in the year of their title. Only 30% of the time do world championships 
that win that year when the Hungarian GP Max, of course, was able to pull that <laughs> off last year, but we'll see if he can repeat. Those and, stats but, don't apply to Max, I feel. Stats don't apply. <laughs> <laughs> but Max did have a full spin in the middle of the race, so slight yeah. hiccup there. But and then, he of course, still won. went on to win from <laughs> yeah. um, which we'll talk about. But the last thing to think about for this weekend, it's super hot and dry this time of year in Budapest, so it's kind of an endurance race from the heat. Sometimes the start, like the visibility with the dust, is something that teams have to take into account too, so very different from the last two races. So talking about last year's race, well before the race even started last year, silly season also began in full force with the Vettel retirement announcement and then the Alonzo to Aston Martin bombshell. So I guess ahead of Hungary, people are just like, all right, let's get this hungry on the road. For, exactly. some, for some drama. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> But as for the race itself, it did not disappoint. It had some fun comebacks, fumbles, even a maiden pull for George, which was super exciting. But as usual, and unsurprisingly, it was just a masterclass in Red Bull strategy. So huge shout out to Hannah Schmitz for that. It saw Max drive from P10 to P1 without any major safety cars or anything of the sort. And as we mentioned, there even was a spin involved, a rare a rare mistake from Max. Uh, but it was also a race that had both Ferrari starting P2 and P3, but finishing P4 and P6 due to some insanely questionable tire strategy and pit stop moments. So a little bit of deja vu overall for last year, but <laughs> <laughs> we're excited. Getting into the teams. First off, Red Bull. We have a lot of thoughts. The team is looking to bring some pretty major upgrades this weekend that will reportedly increase the speed of the car Potentially by two tenths. I don't. Stop. I think that. I don't <laughs> they think really that's need that. Possible, but <laughs> I think it's possible. I just don't. I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um. It's no small feat. They were already able to add two tenths this season with their upgrade in Baku. Apparently, they're ma- making kind of noticeable changes to their side pods that you should be able to see with the naked eye, which is interesting. Oh, Seems like wait. they are on the road to complete and utter domination. They're on the verge of breaking a record with 12 consecutive victories because 11 is the record they just tied with McLaren. And Russell, interestingly, is the only driver outside of Red Bull to have won a race in the last 12 months. It's 12 insane. Months? It's, I think oh. they're not even on the road to complete another domination. I think at this point it's pretty cemented, except for the fact that maybe Checo is dragging them down. <laughs> yeah, what do we think about Checo? Uh terrible streak of five bad quality performances he's almost a hundred points back from max i think it's 99 what do we think about that just given how decisive red bull has been in the past few weeks red bull and alpha tari ari danny i think it's definitely make or break for checo he, he i don't know if i don't know if yeah things something's got to change for him i feel like he's on the chopping block i don't think so i think okay. Uh, Christian was on, Christian Horner was on the F1 Nation podcast and you never know what people say to the media and NPR versus like what's actually happening behind the scenes, but he was pretty definitive about the fact that Checo will be in the car at Red Bull for the 2024 season. And basically I think he had a quote saying that like, he just needs an arm around his shoulder and like a hug (laughs) that they want to like handhold him out of this terrible Saturday situation for him. So I don't think Checo's on the chopping block for next year, but I do think like he does still have a lot to prove. And Sarah, I think what you said about Danny, like 
Checo was probably the one sweating the most with that news. Like that's still valid, but I don't know. I don't think Checo's going anywhere in the next like 18 months. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's at risk. I think check. I think Christian. I think they kind of have to say that stuff publicly, like unless your helmet Marco talking about off tower drivers slash <laughs> Gunther talking about Mick. <laughs> I feel like they just never kind of publicly say, "Oh yeah, this person's really we're like entering contract breaking territory. They're doing so badly." So I think I don't know. I think if anything what would hold them back is lacking maybe a suitable replacement. Cause again, we'll see how Danny Rick performs. Christian did also say though, that he think thinks Danny's really trying to put himself in contention for the 2025 Red Bull seat. Um, I definitely think something's possible. I was also thinking it just in the context of kind of Botas and how much Alfa Romeo has been struggling. It is interesting there's been so many occasions where a second driver of a top team is still really close. And at least like, even if they're markedly behind really bringing the fight like Botas would do. And it's just unfortunate that that's not happening here. I mean, he still is second in the championship. We can't forget that. He's also the only driver who has won a Grand Prix this year besides Max twice. So I, I'm not trying to defend Checo's performance, but Sarah, I think your point about who the replacement would be is like exactly it. I don't see anyone else who would really be a viable solution for next year and something that unless, they have to decide in like the next however many months. Unless, unless what? Danny Rick starts whipping out like solid, solid, solid points. We'll in I don't see it. I don't see it, but I, I root for it. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Excellent points, ladies. All right, let's move on to Ferrari. So this team, they're currently P4. Uh, I think they're like every other team, definitely gunning to establish themselves as, you know, quote, best of the rest ahead of Red Bull, a.k.a. gunning for that P2 position in constructors. The sword did say in an interview this week that the Hungary ring is going to suit the car and that actually the key to finding pace is not in bringing upgrades, but for this track especially, it's in choosing the right setup and being meticulous about deciding how they want to bring the car set up this weekend. So if all goes according to plan, which is definitely a cursed statement in the Ferrari book, but he said if all <laughs> things go according to plan, they have a shot at getting pole position. Love the hustle. Love the sort of like positive attitude. I think obviously every team is gunning for a pole position, but I appreciate the sentiment, Vassour. <laughs> but I do think this track – the. The lack of straights definitely will make the Red Bull straight line speed at least be a bit less of a factor. So I am a little interested in terms of whether someone can challenge because I don't know. I feel like feel like if anything's an opportunity, it's probably this track. I can't wait. Yeah. Ferrari and Aston Martin seem to have the best shot at the kind of low medium speed corner situation. So we'll see. But another team that is hot right now, well, hopefully, is Mercedes. They are P2 in constructors, but they are only 22 points ahead of Aston Martin, so they'll be looking to solidify that lead. We'll talk about Aston Martin later, but they are looking to be strong at this track, just given their performance in Monaco. On Lewis's contract talks, they continue on. Uh, Both Lewis and the team have said that there is no doubt it will be signed, but they've been saying that for quite some time, and... The fans are waiting. The people need to know. Um, Tiggy needs to know. She goes to bed every night wishing that she'll wake up to news. Google alert. Lewis contract Mercedes (laughs) all the time. Um, 
but yeah, I'm hoping this is ironed out sooner rather than later. I don't, I'm not worried about it. Like I do think Lewis will sign, but I just wait. For Alpine, after double DNF at Silverstone, really anything will be a bit of an improvement. They have some upgrades coming the next couple races, including a new floor and spa. And Otmar admitted his surprise at McLaren's big boost in performance. They definitely have to step it up a bit. And they're now behind McLaren in the standings and sitting at sixth in constructors. So they've had a tough couple weeks. They will really be disappointed at kind of potentially slipping behind McLaren. So excited to see what they can do here. I'm definitely optimistic. I also feel like I feel like Gasly really kind of hasn't had his moment to fully shine yet. And I think he can be super fast. So I'm I'm still waiting for that. I'm kind of going for Alcon here given how well he did at Monaco. And this is the mini Monaco. Hopefully he will <laughs> he'll shine. For McLaren, I think the big question for this team this weekend and in general right now is can they maintain their newfound speed on this circuit? These conditions, like we said, are super different from the other last two races where they've been shining, hotter temperatures, higher downforce circuit, lots of different things to consider here. The McLarens did really show impressive tire management at Silverstone. They had that really long stint on mediums that they were able to kind of keep keep track of, keep, keep in control. So hopefully that will help them in these temperatures at the Hungara Ring. And then Oscar, he's coming off a really good weekend at Goodwood. He drove a vintage F1 car, James Hunt's car. So hopefully he'll stay feeling fresh, ready to go. He definitely deserves some good karma after that bad luck safety car that possibly could have gotten him that P3 in Silverstone. Oscar must be feeling pretty good right now. I feel like the rookies after the DeVries news, like I wonder how Logan's feeling, but I'm sure Oscar is like sitting pretty at the moment. Definitely sitting pretty. Yeah. For Alfa Romeo, uh, Botas gave a pretty bleak assessment this week. He said that since they're not meeting their 2023 targets, they need to decide when to start developing the car for 2024. He, at Hungary, has had some tough moments at this track, famously in 2021 with Mercedes. It was damp. He fully missed his breaking point into turn one, managed to take out four other cars. So that was a mess. On a brighter side, though, Joe was at Wimbledon. He was at the final, and in a huge flex, he posted that it was his first time ever watching tennis. Oh, sir. my God. I don't know if you're Wimbledon supposed to do that. Final. <laughs> there were some other great F1 Wimbledon crossovers. George and Carmen were, of course, in the Royal Box, and then I know uh, Charles and Gasly were there watching together, which was cool. With their GFs. <laughs> yes. For AlphaTauri, I think – just what everyone is is the most excited for this weekend. How will Danny adapt to the car? Will he beat Yuki? Do we think points are in the cards? Danny, Rick has won this race before, so definitely watch out. He sat down, Danny sat down with Lawrence Bretto for an interview about coming back to F1, and it's definitely worth the watch. He seems really hungry and excited. No pun intended. Um, we love saying to. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what are everyone's thoughts? I maybe this is getting into hot takes too early, but I'm very bullish on Danny right now. I think <laughs> I know that everyone was kind of saying about the tire test. It's true that it isn't representative. They can be on different compounds, different day, different different temperatures. So it's not you can't make a direct one to one comparison to quality how and how he would have done in Silverstone quality, but. It was enough to genuinely really impress 
Christian and for Christian to write extremely fast and for Helmut to call him in the middle of the session. I don't know. I feel like they really saw something there that shows that he still got it. And I don't know. I'm excited. I think being back in kind of the Red Bull family, back in hopefully a car that suits his driving style, I'm going with Danny in the points. I don't know. <laughs> Alpha Tower to the moon. Yeah, I'm definitely going for him. I think I'm going to have to be the odd one out here. I think the Alpha Tauri is very different than the Red Bull. They are literally on opposite ends of the constructor spectrum, number one and number 10. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm rooting for Danny. I do not think he will outperform Yuki for the rest of the season. And I just Ooh. think first time back in an F1 car, in a different F1 car, in a race situation, I I think it's a tall order for points. But... I, wow, I hope to be proven wrong. Wow. So you don't think he's going to outperform Yuki? Personally, no. I mean, maybe that's putting my stake in the ground, like too strong, too fast. But I don't know. I just don't think the Alpha Tauri is the same as the Red Bull. And I don't think that, uh, you know, coming in in the middle of the season when Yuki has had some really good performances, outperformed DeVries, which maybe isn't saying much, but like, Yuki's had half a season of like good performances. I think it's a tall order for him to come in and beat Yuki. That's I think thought. he's definitely not. I think this race, everyone's probably super excited, which is going to put a lot of pressure on him. But I think he just needs to get a handle on the car. And then maybe there'll be like one race towards the end of the season where he's in contention with Yuki. But like, like we were saying, I think the end goal for Danny isn't to be like picking up podiums in the Alpha Tauri. It's just to show that he's back in the game and that maybe eventually – be a viable contender for some actual seats maybe in 2025 who knows what's going to happen to him next year we'll have to just wait and see but yeah I really hope excited I really hope he does well I think it would be an amazing comeback story if he does so fingers I'm gonna stake out the opposite yeah I really think he's gonna beat Yuki I feel strongly about this I don't know we'll we'll see (laughs) don't forget let me do our hot takes. <laughs> I, yeah, that was already mine. So, well, oh, I have one go. other <laughs> that we'll get to. Okay, moving on to Haas. Cute little news in the world of Haas today. K-Mag is now a dad of two. He's a girl dad. He's had two daughters. His latest was born on Monday. The daughters are very, very cute. In terms of the race, both drivers do have a lot of experience in Hungary. Hulkenberg has raced here nine times. K-Mag has had seven races here. Like we all know, they've been on a little bit of a struggle bus lately. Gunther says the only thing they can really do is looking forward. Obviously, Gunther, I found the prize. I don't know what that prize is, but um, excited to see it. What did you say? It's a yacht. It's a yacht. (laughs) Um, Gunther, yeah. But yeah, hopefully hopefully they'll pick up um, a point this weekend. We'll see. For Aston Martin – The question we continue to ask as the season progresses is, can they keep it up? Are they on the decline? They podiumed five times in the first six races of the season, but now have not been on podium for two races in a row. It's a continued question of the development race, and there's a mid-season reset of aero testing time. So they finished seventh last year in constructors, which meant they had outsized testing time for the first part of the season. But They now have uh, entered mid-season in third, so they'll have less time going forward. We'll see what they're able to do with that. 
But that being said, and like we mentioned earlier, they're feeling confident about Hungary. They think the track is suited to their car, just given their strong performance in Monaco, slow, medium speed corners. So we'll see if they can perform here and how the battle between Aston and Mercedes progresses. We all need a little extra health boost sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. For Williams, after Albon's string of really great performances, there were some rumors going around in the Italian press, which first red flag statement, if it says F1 rumors in the Italian press. No about that. That Albon was being considered for a Ferrari seat once Carlos's contract expired. That's insane. But Fred Vosser spoke up and said, if a reporter asked me if Alex is currently doing a good job, I would say yes, but that doesn't mean I'm interested in taking him. Vosser also added that his focus is not on driver contracts right now. He's just trying to get settled with the team. And on the Williams side, Bowles has had really nothing but praise for Albon saying he's underrated. And that, quote, he's definitely bringing the car to the limit of its performance, which is what you're looking for out of a driver. So very exciting to see where kind of Albon's going here. Just a string of great performances. And 
Probably a rough week for Logan as a surviving rookie after the DeVries debacle. Williams is definitely not Red Bull, so maybe a bit less likely to fire a rookie, but definitely just kind of has to put, I think, everyone on the edge, not just the rookies, maybe even just everyone with an expiring contract. Well, that's the name of the game for silly season. (laughs) Okay, let's do our hot takes. I – so – I just very much enjoyed listening to all of y'all's opinions, so I'm going to get extra hot today. I'm going to say – this is I hate doing hot takes sometimes because when I say some teams are going to do well, it almost implies that other teams aren't going to do well. Like my hot take is that we're going to have Ferrari and Aston Martin on podium, which is crazy. But like at the same time, I also do want a McLaren on podium, but then I also do realize that Red Bull is probably going to be on podium. So, again, it makes it really hard, but – don't overthink it, Chessa. It's a hot take. You're good. <laughs> Am I overthinking this? <laughs> I'm going to go with Danny Rick in the points. <laughs> wow. That's hot. That's hot. Love it. I'm rooting for that, Sarah, even though mine is quite the opposite. But <laughs> I, I definitely am rooting for that. Yeah, I feel like I am the odd one out on both of these. But I think Checo, for me, Checo is going to come out of his quali ret. I think he'll make it into Q3 and hopefully have a good quali and start. Um, and I think Yuki will outperform Danny this race, which... Again, I hope that's wrong, but I do think it's understandable. It's not like I, you know, I'm disappointed in Danny if that happens. Like he's been out of a, a race in a car for months and months and months. So I will see. We shall see. All right, let's dig into some news before we give you a little snippet about the Goodwood Festival of Speed. So F1 will be testing the new alternative tire allocation this weekend. This is the new qualifying format. Uh, This test was supposed to run at Imola, of course, before that GP was canceled. But it basically means Q1 will be on hard tires, Q2 will be on mediums, and Q3 will be on softs. What do you guys think about that? I kind of like it for a bit of a shakeup because I think – I know it's just experimental, but I really think, as we've seen, some cars can really struggle on different compounds. So I kind of like the concept, and I think it'll definitely – add a little little something into the mix. I hope I agree. Echo can do Q1 on hards. <laughs> we'll see. I I agree. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Another experiment that I'm very interested in discussing <laughs> our thoughts on. Everyone is doing a potential experiment of displaying drivers' heart rates. So they have tested this uh, in Austria with two F2 drivers, and they're considering doing the same for F1 to kind of, quote, show the intensity level of drivers and Hmm. I guess maybe provide more entertainment. I personally feel like this is wholly unnecessary. So unnecessary. (laughs) Understand. I mean, the novelty might be cool for a race, but... I don't know. Once you get into the territory of like publishing and showcasing personal health data on like a millions and millions of person broadcast and I don't know if it's supposed to be live during the race, but that also could be weird. Uh, I don't know. I don't really understand the reason behind it um, aside from maybe just like, like this is fun. Yeah. I feel like that data could be better used in like a Netflix show in the Netflix show to be like, oh, look, like this is what he, when he's working out, this is his heart rate. But like when he's in the car, this is his heart rate. Like maybe for that. Um, I think the biggest thing that they already do to show the intensity is when they show G, G-force. Like I think that's really cool and they should keep doing that. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't really like this. And you can almost already kind of see the narrative. Say, for example, they're mega, mega, mega fit. So say maybe their heart rate isn't super high at some points because they're so fit and so experienced. So you can almost already see the narrative people watching being like, oh, look, their heart rate isn't even that high. Like, I don't know. I I don't. (laughs) It's just going to show Max being bored at like a 60 BPM the entire race. (laughs) Meanwhile, like if I was doing it, I would be at like 350, like the machine would break. Chess was at 350 during carding in New Jersey. Oh, my oh, God. I was at like 400 during that. It was not my <laughs> not my thing. Yeah, in, in um, Silverstone, when Max was called out at one point, oh, I saw a Ferrari pit. Is that changing our strategy? And the commentators were like, based on where he is on track, he was only able to see that on the screen. <laughs> that is so funny. All right. In other news, which is very interesting to me, the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard, it was not renewed after the 2022 season, but the French president, Emmanuel Macron, is pushing for a return of F1 to France. And he even hinted at his desire for a street race in Nice. And this is a big deal since the previous deal fell off for a lack of political support. So that could be interesting. The Paul Ricard circuit wasn't universally loved. The drivers didn't really love it. It can be a bit boring. There weren't major defining characteristics. So potentially better off as a test track with kind of the mix of all the different speed corners. But a street race in Nice would be pretty cool. And I am a big, big proponent of uh, the return of the French Grand Prix. So fingers crossed. Tiggy just wants another French vacation, but I'm here for it. We can all go. This That would be our third summer in a row going to France, so would be fun. Um, in terms of other race news, there are Madrid race rumors swirling. This has been really an ongoing project to try to get a street race to Madrid. And just a few days ago, Jose Vicente de los Mosos, what a great name, the man behind the project, he said that the deal is going to be inked and he knows when it's going to happen. I don't know if he's that just feels like, ambitious. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> in the world of F1, don't say things like that because as we all know, nothing is ever inked until it's inked. Or it's just always say stuff like that and it doesn't really matter. That is true. <laughs> Even if stuff is bit- inked, it's not necessarily inked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's definitely still a little bit speculative um, as to when this would happen. Maybe it's going to happen like if or when the Barcelona contract is not renewed. Um, people are definitely holding out hope for two Spanish races. But for me, this all feels like too many races, like for this and the French one. I think races need to start dropping off the calendar and not getting remo- renewed um, to make room. So I think, in like in principle, I agree with that. But I think what they're thinking about and what co- what came up with like the two Spanish races is that maybe it would be like a rotation situation. So you have a handful of years at Barcelona and then a handful of years at Madrid, and like you wouldn't necessarily have two Spanish GPs on a in a given uh, calendar year. But I agree generally. Like we, I think Stefano Domenicali said this week or last week that they are at a max with 24 races, that there will not be more than that. It's really just about maybe rotating some more locations in, which I would be in favor for certain certain races. Yeah, I really like the idea of rotating as a way to maybe give some newer circuits a chance, bring in some variety, because it's, it's hard because the calendar is super maxed out. I think there would be just a full driver slash team mutiny if they went above 24 races. It would be way too much. But there's races like maybe South Africa that would be so cool to be added. So, Dying for that one. I yeah. Just, oh. Yeah, we'll see. 
And in some Toto news, Toto, like several other team bosses, he's continuing to push back against a potential 11th team coming into F1, saying there's no physical space and that they're already, quote, tripping over each other, referring to the fact that many garages and race facilities simply couldn't fit an additional team. Previously, he's voiced concerns over splitting the prize fund 11 ways instead of 10. This recent argument is just another reason why he thinks an 11th team is a bad idea. I really hope in Drive to Survive or at some point we get like an Andretti versus Toto showdown (laughs) because Toto is so firm on not having there be an 11th team. I don't know. It feels (laughs) like he's going to die on this hill. (laughs) Yeah, there is some news recently that they're expected, the FIA is expected, or F1, to let Andretti and High Tech know sooner rather than later what their fate is for 2026. It doesn't feel like good news, but we'll see. In our final piece of news, the NBA F1 crossover continues. We obviously know Toto is a professor at HBS, but Latifi coming back from the (laughs) ether has announced he'll be going to London Business School. So that's very exciting for him. Wish him well and good luck. And honestly, I think it's a good move for him. Makes sense. Imagine how cool it would be to be reading the applications and be like, oh my God, is this Gotifi's (laughs) application? I loved his um, Gotifi. I loved his post about studying for the GMAT. I was like, I'm imagining Latifi studying for the GMAT. It's so funny. You guys relatable content. Yeah, I like it. Good for him. I also think so many drivers post F1 kind of stay on in a motorsport adjacent world, either racing another series or just kind of not fully moving on in a sense. And I kind of like that he's just going for the full pivot, just going to do something different. Probably run the family business. Nice, nice. Okay, we'll give you guys a quick little special topic here on Goodwood. To set the scene, I'm going to give you guys a little description about the festival directly from their site. Quote, it is an intoxicating celebration of the world's most glamorous sport. (laughs) Sign me up. Yeah. Intoxicating. Yeah. So what is it? It's a four-day annual festival hosted at the Goodwood Estate in West Sussex, England. It's owned by the Duke of Richmond. He kind of um, does it all on his property, which is really cool. And the festival features all kinds of events and car reveals and meet and greets and literally anything that you can imagine. I mean, they're filling four days of programming. But you get to see like modern sports cars, even F1 cars, and then historic cars. And they even do race bikes. So it's very cool. It's such – it seems like such an amazing event. And the – the I think the Mercedes AMG road car that's inspired by an F1 car basically looks like – I think it even has DRS uh, debuted there last year. So there's such a fun mix. And there's always these drivers driving F1 cars from the 70s. So – I, I love it. I would love to go. It seems like a really cool event. And there was a little bit of controversy, not controversy, but there was really bad weather on Saturday and they had to cancel the event on Saturday and kind of Seb was posting like, I'll be back on Sunday. Don't worry. It's going to be a big event on Sunday. But I was definitely kind of seeing in the comments some people being upset, but hopefully everyone had a great time on Sunday. 
Yeah, the most iconic event is the historic hill climb that many of the cars and race bikes uh, race up to set the fastest time. It's just kind of, it's pretty cool and unique. It climbs over 300 feet in nine turns and it's just under 1.2 miles. So very fast and steep. But some highlights from the weekend. So Vettel, like Sarah was mentioning, it was his return to Goodwood after 11 years. He drove his own Williams FW14B up the hill on Sunday, and that is the car that Nigel Mansell won the 1992 F1 championship in. And then he also drove his other car, Artin Senna's 1993 McLaren, the MP48. And my favorite part of all of this is as part of the Race Without a Trace initiative, he ran both cars on renewable e-fuels. If you have not checked out our What is Sustainable Drop-In Fuel episode, definitely check that out. But Seb out here just continuing to champion good things for the world. So very exciting. It's so cool, first of all, that he has a personal collection, they call it like his personal archive of two F1 cars, that he has then fully retrofitted to be able to run on these fuels. It's amazing. Another highlight included Mick doing a demo run in the WO2 car. His dad, Schumacher, drove during the 2011 season. That was great. It looked very emotional. And Oscar even did a trip up the hill in a vintage James Hunt car in the McLaren. All the McLaren programming for the weekend looked super fun. So overall, it seems like a really great event. Yeah, Emma Gilmore was there, who we interviewed, um, the Extreme E driver for McLaren. Um, And yeah, I think Extreme E was also there. The car, the McLaren Extreme E car was there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, they had like a special showcase on the rally world, which is really cool. They have all sorts of things. So I think if you're a motorsport lover, some people say that it's almost better than an F1 weekend because you get like such a strong, heavy dose of all things motorsport as opposed to just F1. So what could more not could recommend. you want? <laughs> it looks like there's a lot of access too for fans kind of getting yeah, closer to the cars, getting to see these vintage cars. Super cool. And if you have kids, kids go free. So fun <laughs> fact. That's hilarious. All right. So heading into our last doubleheader before summer break, we have Hungary, then Belgium, and a few weeks off for silly season to really shine. So we'll chat after Hungary. 